<laughs> what up? What up? You got Javi mid sentence, everybody. Elliot Lane, Javier Hase, ready to get started, ready to dive Ooh. in. I don't, Javi, do we have our intro video? Sans Aaron Thomas? Oh, it doesn't... yeah, 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 yeah. Let me find it. What is the new intro? This is the new intro. Look at this. Let's do it. Let's get ready. I rocking out backstage. Y'all, what's Benzinga's Cannabis Insider? Thank you all so, so much for staying around for us or tuning in. Uh, if you just want to hear about what's going on in the cannabis world uh, or you're looking to potentially invest now or in the future, stick around. Half hour of fun here. But Javi, what's up, my friend? Doing great, doing great. We have some fun news, some good news, some not so great news today. But let's start with a fun item. There was this amazing scheme going on at the San Francisco airport, SFO, for those who know their airport codes, which you should. Uh, United Airlines workers were caught stealing cannabis from passenger bags, right? And this scheme had been going on for years. They were making $10,000 a week each oh, oh. by stealing weed from the bags. And then they, they would take them out in, in duffel bags, right? Now there's a whole investigation around it, uh, you know, wow. but, but <laughs> interesting. interesting. What do you think happens here? Like, do, I mean, call the feds or someone and, and like, you know, tell them, hey, they're stealing my weed or are you incriminating yourself? For now, the Fed said we're not going to prosecute the people whose bags were containing this. Case. I think you just got to call Catalyst, call the CEO of Catalyst. He'll take care of it. Uh, he'll, he'll put him in front of a judge. Uh, all jokes aside, though, um, I mean, hey, you never know where the weed goes after this. I mean, these this could be the black market ring of how Stizzy got to New York City. That's awesome. What's on your I, mind, Mr. Lay? What's on my mind? You know, there's not a whole lot going on in public company world to uh, meet, you know, to comment in the chat here. Where are we going with these cannabis companies getting killed here? I think everything hinges on legislation right now and, and what happens in D.C., uh, in multiple ways. We're all watching for rescheduling, descheduling if that happens. We're all watching for potential movement and safe if that happens. Just looking for a little bit of ray of hope. That said, you know, to, to Deb Borchart and her team, um, they had an interesting bit in their newsletter today. I don't know if you saw it, Javi, but they're calling out that after a year where equity raises were down 90%, recently mm -hmm. we've seen five new equity raises, all public mm -hmm. companies. So you're seeing Ascend, Bright Green, Indiva, um, and Hexo, and Bzam. So those five companies have all raised equity recently. And cannabis stocks have not had as terrible of a month this month as they have uh, in, in previous months this year. So all in all, I think people want to be positive. I think that's mm -hmm. what we're seeing. I, don't, I think they're, they're holding themselves back from being positive, which is understandable. I'm not saying that that's yeah. wrong in the slightest. Optimistic is the way to yeah. go. Yeah. And I think, honestly, our guest today has really amazing insights. If you follow her, uh, it's Livy McKay, CEO of MyTepi, uh, founder of MyTepi. Really amazing insights if you follow her on any of socials. Uh, I think really Twitter's and LinkedIn are the main ones. I will let her correct me if I'm wrong there. But um, I, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of different opinions is what yeah. I'll say. Uh, but to your point in the chat, DC is the catalyst. It, it is and will be. 
catalyst for sure, right? I, I see others, like honestly, like continuing to see uh, expanding cannabis markets in, in different states will help. But we've uh, already seen that this year and it didn't really do anything for stocks. Yeah, that is true. The market is not always very rational. We we know now. That. While I do agree, that's a really big positive for them for just cannabis in general. I'm absolutely with you on that. I just don't think it's a stock catalyst. It should Maybe be though. interstate commerce. Like you know, even oh, yeah. without actually, you know, yeah. in some states want to do interstate commerce. Maybe some other countries going legal. Uh, earlier today, I was recording a show about Germany. It doesn't seem like like legalization will go through in Germany, full adult use legalization anytime soon. So that market is not really what people are expecting it to be commercially. And yeah. it doesn't seem like it's shaping up to be an adult use commercial market anytime soon. So yeah, the biggest catalyst would 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 come from DC from full legalization or something which like that. is very possible this year. I think you're if you have doubts you're right to um until you see something happen but the you know we're seeing some voices on Twitter that don't always pop in that are popping in being like hey there's a positive coming. Now granted grain of salt I think with anybody <laughs> But there, there are some. There's at least bits of news, one way or the other. If you want to short some of these stocks, you know, you're, you're. I wouldn't say you're wrong to bet, but if you want to bet on some of these stocks long term, I would say you're probably in the right as well. Um, mm -hmm. All that said, man, give us a quick rapid fire. Give us a few minutes. What else is happening? I saw that flow right in news, but oh, tell me a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm a little in the dark there. Well, they're, they're working with this this preclinical stage company to be to be fair that focuses on rare uh, childhood diseases and how they can be treated with different cannabinoid derived um, therapeutics right or therapeutic agents and right now they're they're seeking approval for an orphan drug uh, for Engelman syndrome so very interesting very interesting to see Flo Rida uh, and of course like his his company right Jet Set One uh, Enterprises. Um, look into into cannabis, but from a very, very medical, very scientific perspective, uh, very different from what we see from most other celebrities who are simply betting on like, hey, you know, let's roll out a, a, a an adult use cannabis line appealing to people, you know, and their passions. And this guy is go, goes like, yeah, it doesn't matter, you know, what my name is. And I'm, I'm betting on this as a... Uh, what a great point. Like, like from you though, it is, I mean, I don't think biome therapeutics is uh, a public company at this point. I've actually never heard of them. Maybe you have more insights into them, but y'all don't forget about some of these biotechs when it comes to cannabinoid research, guys. I mean, there's some big win potential there uh, with some of these companies. You saw it with GW, you know, back in the day with Epidiolex, uh, I mean, arena and their, you know, their entrance quote unquote, um, you know, but I think the R and D in this space it's young and there's so much potential. I don't, you know, yeah. I know there's more immediate success with rec, but once one of those pharma companies hits it big, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. And, and you have a bunch of intellectual property behind it to protect your, your position in the market, right? Like selling cannabis, you don't have a huge competitive moat, right? Like anyone can come out with better weed, cheaper weed, a better branding, whatever, and just take over, right? Your market pretty fast. Not so much when you have a pharma drug behind your company. Take a look at Zalira and what they're doing right now internationally. Mm -hmm. Zalira Therapeutics had some big news uh, in their data. I always you know, keep Zynerba in mind, uh, ZYNE on the NASDAQ. 
uh, is one that mm-hmm. I think of. Uh, no financial advice, but these are both companies that tend to keep moving the ball forward. Uh, InMed Pharmaceuticals with their Bay Medica acquisition uh, is another one. They're also participating in our Chicago event. All that said, last bit of news to you, Javi. Last thing on your mind today, man. Jim Belushi teasing a senatorial um, candidacy. And I think that is that is like the, the, the more fun piece of news. And then in Australia, there is a party that is introducing uh, a bill to legalize personal use of cannabis in three different states. And Luxembourg is set to vote on marijuana reform this month, allowing people to cultivate their own cannabis and to carry some cannabis with them. So overall, pretty, you know, pretty good news out of of the international realm, I think. Great. Love that. All right, y'all. Last plug of the day. Make sure to tune in every day. Benzinga's Cannabis Daily. You get five minutes of industry news, stock highlights to start your morning. We do it on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Benzinga Cannabis, YouTube, and then you can get on Apple, Spotify. Yeah, you got to check that out. You've seen, you you just saw like how I, I mentioned pharma, uh, companies and in, in cannabis and Italy was just like a wealth of knowledge. It was like this company and this company and this company. And I was like, how the hell do you even remember that? And it's because you get your news in five Every minutes day. from yourself. Do you do you read like do you listen to your own podcast afterwards? Hell or, no. No. Hell no. <laughs> God, I would just critique every second of it. Absolutely not. If you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. I know I wouldn't, but I hope you all nah. do. That, that's, what, that's what I say to that. But all that said, Javi, uh, it's thanks to you and your news desk that we have access to such awesome information. Uh, we have a lot of channels for you all to consume. Benzinga.com slash cannabis for all of Javier's amazing news. 30 plus cannabis articles a day, plus contributions from other leaders. Uh, it really is quite uh, a lot of information in the cannabis space that you don't get anywhere else, at least not from the perspective that Javi and his team provide us. So all that said, Javi, let's move on to our guest for the day. Very excited to host Livy McKay, co-founder of MyTepi. Let's bring her on over. Livy, our friend, how are you? Hey there, doing well. How are you guys? We're great. We're having a good day. It's it's a long weekend that we're off for. Happy Juneteenth to all that celebrated. Uh, if you didn't get that day, I hope you get to rest uh, later on. But all that said, Livy, you got to just fill us in a little bit because you have a very unique platform that we haven't had a chance to see yet. So I want you to walk us through briefly what you're doing in the space. Yes. So we created MindTepi, which is a tech platform that's specifically designed to deliver tools for consumers to navigate products uh, objectively. So essentially what we have targeted is how to roll out an objective classification of cannabis products based on COAs and based on their, so the chemical composition in the plant, rather than strain names or indica sativa hybrid or these things that we know don't offer a lot of consistency. So what we are really trying to drive in is help provide the right kind of uh, navigation to consumers that can provide that consistency that they're looking for without uh, essentially the inundation of a lot of education and a lot of uh, industry jargon and just getting them what they're looking for quickly and easily. I think, Javi, go ahead. Tough question for sure, right? Like I love that we're trying to find new ways to characterize cannabis. Indicas and sativas don't work. 
or whatever. Other other types of, of characterizations we've tried in the past haven't fully worked. Even calling it up and down doesn't like fully describe what cannabis is. But others have tried different characterizations. What makes this one difference easier to read, more complete? What is it, right? Uh, and, and how does it reach consumers ultimately? Because what we want is a relatively easy to understand uh, characterization right. of cannabis. Right. So it's a good question and it's something, so this is a big problem that a lot of people are trying to solve. I think that's that's the first thing that needs to be said. So it's a great opener of going, well, what makes you different? So I think what makes us First off is that we're not doing this alone. We're doing this in collaboration with some of the best minds in the industry. Um, we recently have entered into a, a informal partnership, but working on making it more formal with the uh, team over at the CESC, that's Dr. John Abrams and Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Uh, they have over a combined 60 years of experience in cannabis sciences um, from both a biotech biochemistry perspective, but then also from a patient perspective. And so in collaboration with them, they have over 30,000 observations of terpene profiles um, relating to specific effects. They've also, we bring in another angle of creating a framework that's based on the actual pharmacology. So how these different receptors interact with the body, I'm sorry, all these different compounds interact with different receptors in the body. And collectively, we're trying to attack something that the pharmaceutical models, quite frankly, is the reason why it's so difficult because in pharma, everything is based on single receptor pharmacology. So how one chemical interacts with one receptor, that's the model. And then the challenge with cannabis is it's polypharmaceutical. So it interacts on multiple, multiple receptors. So what we're trying to do in collaboration with, again, the team over there and some others that I can't quite mention just yet, but some others is to actually create a more a comprehensive framework that actually does account for the polypharmacy, starting with observation, moving on to more, um, more specified, more exact type of interactions of how this actually works out. Um, you know, we have to work with what we can with the limitations, but we do believe that we have enough to essentially classify this by effect based on the based on the terpenes again knowing that it's not perfect so that's something that's really important is that it won't be perfect but it's better than what we have now it's a good you know it's a good foundation to build off of to get more specific to get more individualized to get more personalized so we also take in the genetic factor as well and we are working in the working on actually being able to map out genetics and working with teams that already have products on the market um, to actually get that really personalized approach. So we have a, a bit of a tagline that we say, you know, from generic to genetic, know your effect. And so that's kind of the, the spirit in which we're doing this. And then we're creating this app that we have our beta version that's out. It's ugly, it's rough, it's beta, but it's the concept that you don't have to have um, essentially operator buy-in. The consumers can take our app right now and before they go to a dispensary or while they're at a dispensary, they can enter in the product labels, the terpene data and the cannabinoids and get the suggested primary and secondary pharmacological effects as well as a rating. So we also do something that's very different, the rating that's also trying to base it more objectively rather than something that's um, a very subjective, you know, the stuff. Yeah, crowd court. It's like, yeah, that this weed was the bomb. And it's like, yeah, the <laughs> reviews are super, 
You know, like they, they really depend on so many factors, consider like including how much you know about cannabis, when you took it, how you took it, right? Oh, like well I could easily think this weed sucks because I tried I tried it for sleep when it when it's like a total upper or or vice versa, right? Like I'm hiking and I take take this sleep oriented high CBN strain and I'm like all drowsy or whatever, right? It, it Exactly. And so the rating is essentially trying to guide people to what is going to deliver the experience that you're looking for with the minimum possibility of adverse effects. So essentially, we know when we get really high in THC, some people it's very effective. Some people need very high THC products. However, we also know that the higher in THC you go, especially in isolated format, the higher likelihood of adverse effects like, you know, some simple things like dry mouth, but all the way up to paranoia, anxiety, you know, things that we really don't want to feel. So this is, so our rating system, again, it prioritize, you have to prioritize someone. There's 55 million Americans that consume cannabis. You got to prioritize someone. And so we prioritize those that know the least, that are just trying to come in, trying to navigate, and they don't want to learn about terpenes. They don't want to learn about cannabinoids. That's fine. We take on that burden of education and then translate it into a way that anyone, your grandmother, we have an internal model code, uh, an internal motto called honor the granny. And we have a picture of a granny with a joint and saying that it's got to be easy enough for your granny to use this. And so we've had that spirit from the very beginning. And we believe that by giving something that the consumers can A, trust because it's made for them. That's the entire, we prioritize them above everything else. So we understand, and that's been some pushback that we've gotten. We've gotten some, a lot of pushback actually from, from operators saying, well, what happens when you rate my cannabis kind of low or what happens? And I say, you know, that's, as that's really not our concern. And people can still find things from low rated cannabis, price it accordingly, give people a value. People buy low rated wine. If you want to take a wine rating into, into account, it's um, they just know that it's value and they know what they're buying. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be a punitive system. It can be an actually very integrated system. So we do have a service for operators, but our focus is the consumer. The education, um, every marketing professional should be praising you right now. Uh, the education you're offering for new consumers, for people that that care is also putting a value to the industry at large. Uh, I mean, it just makes it easier uh, for companies to understand where they're headed. <laughs> I mean, there's so many benefits to this, but you mentioned objectivity. You know, we kind of got a sense of how that's going to take place. Can you give us a sense of the quality of these uh, of products right now? at least the ones that you have, have looked at, um, you know, across your platform, you know, for, or want to be on your platform, however many products you've looked at, are these products as consistent as they need to be? Um, is it less about that now? And, and should we, you know, are, are, are we to a better place when it comes to cannabis brands and CPG? So from my personal experience, no, we're not at a place of consistency. That's part of the reason why we even created this was we're basically solving our own problem. And that was, I would be, you know, I, I have to use cannabis for specific medical indications. So it's important that I know what I'm using because I have to have a regimen that allows me to lead a productive life. So I really have to know what I'm using. So the point so I would get a particular strain and I would know all about it. I know the chemotype. And then even from that dispensary, from harvest to harvest, the chemotype would differ. The, the effect would differ. And then I would have to, I, I would get so angry, frankly, angry and frustrated because I would have to spend then another 
as an educated consumer that knows what they're looking for, I'd still be spending 20, 30 minutes, even at my dispensary that I loved, I would still have to go through their mountains of inventory, trying to find something that was comparable in price, comp comparable in effect. And that was another reason why we came up with the rating system was because we also saw some massive arbitrage. Because we look, we go, people don't know what they're selling. So you could get these incredible products at low prices because maybe the THC might have been around, you know, 19, 20%. But the chemo, but the terpene profile was so rich that it would give you a much better, much more potent effect, frankly, than something that's at 33% THC, which just basically knocks you on your backside and you don't feel, you're not getting the actual effect you're looking for. It's more about intoxication rather than this balance, this balance of effect. And I think what's really important, because we do get this um, rec versus med kind of uh, bifurcation all of the time, what's really, really important to understand is that so much of the rec market is dominated by med patients. They just simply don't want to go through med patient barriers, having to keep a license, having, or having a card, having to pay for it, having to go to a doctor. These are all steps and barriers to entry when you could just go, you know, you're treating it for sleep, pain, anxiety. 150 million Americans have that condition. And so we know that roughly looking at consumer reports, um, especially conducted by USA Today, uh, back in 2019, they found that overwhelmingly 80 something, 84% said they're using cannabis for a quality of, to improve quality of life, to treat some type of minor health indication. And so we tend to group them into, we tend to over, overshadow them in the rec market and just say, these are rec, these are med. But what's actually very interesting is when we look at consumer and behaviors and demographics, the majority of people are med and the very, very minority of people are actually rec meaning using for the pure purposes of fun makes perfect sense can, can you develop a little bit more like i, I know like you have this three-pronged approach to analyzing cannabis one is potency and the last one is effect but there's one in the middle is balance and you were touching on it a little bit right mm -hmm. now when you were describing you know this this situation with, with your specific product but what does it really mean right for for a consumer, right? In, in general, what, what, what is this balance aspect of it? And, and, and how do terpenes come into play? What, what are terpenes as well, right? Like, <laughs> yes, all, all great questions. So we'll just start with the, start with your first, uh, your last question first. So what are terpenes? So terpenes, as we know them, are the, they're behind the scent and they have something to do with the effect. Now, what I'm, again, learning from my research team, this is all nascent. So this is something that we're still trying to look at is that we don't necessarily know if they are the drivers, meaning that they are causing the variation in effects, or if essentially they're the thing that's present. And we can look at that as a notation of a difference in effect, but there's a different, more underlying cause that we don't actually have mapped out. But that is more for scientists. What's important for consumers and just just a little bit to know on the surface is that what we can tell so far is that different terpene profiles will either make you can affect the essentially if something's going to make you a little bit more energized um, or a little bit more relaxed, if something's going to make you a little bit more cerebral in your head or if something's going to be a little bit more 
um, in the body. And so what we know from basically these terpene profiles and cannabinoids and how they interact is they interact with the endocannabinoid system, which is responsible for regulating homeostasis, for keeping everything normalized in the body. So essentially what happens is that nature is very intelligent. And so when you have something, for example, like a terpene called pinene, so pinene is a very abundant terpene. It's found all in pine forests. It's associated with what's known as forest bathing, walking out and feeling refreshed and, and so forth. So pinene is very abundant, but it's actually very um, scarce in cannabis. But when we see pinene in combination with THC, we actually see that pinene tends to offset the could potentially offset the memory loss effects associated with short-term memory loss effects associated with THC, while also negating the um, sedating effects of THC. So it's this kind of conjunction of what exactly are you looking for? You're looking for something that can help make you focused and you have a balanced effect between the, the, the mind, what you're actually thinking, you're percepting, you're experiencing versus what you're actually feeling in your body, because it does work on both the CB1 and CB2 and, and a bunch of other receptor sites, frankly. So what we're talking about, we're talking about a balanced effect. So we describe things as mood um, that's either you know elevating your mood or rest it's is this going to be a balanced restful you feel restful in your mind you feel restful in your body or is this something that if it has a higher thc could potentially make you feel very anxious in your mind very restful in your body or, or not very restful in your body you know that kind of thing so what we see is when you have a more balanced effect so that means the sweet spot that we see is around a 20 percent thc and about a five percent uh total terpene profile tends to be that very nature's kind of sweet spot for that perfect balanced effect. And so in our rating kind of goes out from there. This is pretty incredible, Libby. Uh, so really props to you and the team for diving into this when it seems Thank you. there hasn't been a great formula up to now. Not to separate ourselves too far from this, I do want you to be able to just chat a little bit about your perspective uh, on what you oh, expect <laughs> from Capitol Hill, from DC. I, I mean, I think you have a pretty strong, I, I think, sight on this, but I don't think it's unfounded. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you expect for SAFE and what you expect for any rescheduling or descheduling conversations. I definitely have a little bit of a, a, of a reputation of being a curmudgeon and, and kind of a negative Nancy. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get that out there, all right? Um, but... I want to say I need to really found this in, in this perspective is that I am an actually incredibly optimistic person, incredibly optimistic, so much so that I've been very naive in my 20s, right? And got burned, burned, burned. So I learned the difference between being optimistic and naive. And so how I approach what's going on, whether it's safe or descheduling or so or so what is I do zero in on the problem right on the really sticky problem spots I don't pay attention to kind of the the, the drowned out why why it's a good idea that's not the point we've already we've been hearing that over and over again I want to know what the problem is not so that I can sit there and go this is the problem and this is why it won't work it's so we can solve it so that we can overcome it. And as long as we're just sitting there basically having confirmation bias on, what's, on what we want to have happen, because wishful thinking and, and wanting to have things happen and suggestion, power of suggestion is very, very powerful and very compelling, especially when we've been, this industry has been so beaten down and desperate 
for good news. I understand and I empathize, I genuinely do. But I don't think it does us any favors to only pay attention to the good things and say, well, the bad things can happen, but let's not, let's just, you know, not, not look at that. It's like the bug underneath the shoe you don't wanna look at, you gotta look at it. So like you got, if you wanna clean it up, right? You can't just ignore it. So a good example is like the Dales report. They just came out and they said, um, I believe it's Rob Seacrest said that he spoke to Senator Daines. Senator mm -hmm. Daines said that they have the 10 votes um, and, you know, feels very good about it. Okay. So I understand that. But then he even went in and goes, but here's where the problems could be. And it was, the, it's almost like a footnote <laughs> of where the problems could be. And then everyone just goes on on how it's so great. And, and I tend to go in and I get a lot of, and, and it's okay. I don't mind it. I really don't. But I tend to totally go to that problem point and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. This is actually what we need to be focusing on because this is where the devil lies. This is where you're going to get screwed. So my perspective all of that being said is that I understand if cannabis existed in a vacuum and there weren't larger macro pictures here going on, like a presidential election coming up, the Republicans trying to unseat, Republicans trying to take back the House or trying to take back the Senate, trying to take back the White House, when they're up against a pretty cohesive Democratic uh, Party, the Republican Party is pretty fractured right now because, you know, you've got the Trump, DeSantis, and you've got some other people. And Everyone in the Democrat Party is pretty cohesive. So when you're at this stage in the game, you stop thinking about you stop thinking chess and start thinking more football, American football. You start thinking about which team has a point, which team. And so essentially, when you're at this point in the game and you're trying to flip it, right, because the Republicans haven't lost yet. They could have a turn of turning this ship around, but they see another Biden and losing the Senate or you know, not being able to flip the Senate is major loss, major loss, right? War is over for the next four years. So the way that they're looking at this is they're going, we need to block, our job is to block the offense from scoring as many points as possible. That's our job right now, because we have to look strong. We have to look competent and we have to look powerful. And that means we have to make the other team look as incompetent as possible. That, so, so I'm sorry? It's not that hard at this it's, point. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the game here. So you got at this at this stage, like I said, coming into a presidential election, it's not chess. It's it's not checkers. It's football. It's which team can score. You know, they're trying to score points. And when you know that you can't score points, then it's perception. Then it becomes a game of perception. And how much perception can you kick up? You can't discount what media does. You can't discount that cannabis is a hot button issue. So what I expect, I'll just put it out. I don't expect descheduling to happen before the before the election. I don't expect safe banking to pass because I don't think if it were just safe and absolutely nothing else, maybe, but it can't be because it's not a win. It's not a political win for the Democrats and the Democrats are not going to do something that is not politically advantageous. Politicians don't make logical, rational decisions based on what you want. <laughs> they make decisions based on what is politically beneficial to them and the party. The party proceeds personal politics, state politics, it's the party and, and that's it. And so when, it, you know, I, you can get into the weeds, you can start getting hopeful. And I don't, I don't blame people for that. And I actually think it's a good thing, but you also have to balance that with the big picture here and say, what is the genuine probability that Republicans 
are going to allow the Democrats to have this kind of win, where then the media could turn around and say, look at how effective Biden is at getting reform done. He got can he's gotten comprehensive. They'll say this, doesn't have to be true. They'll say comprehensive reform light has been passed. It's the most, it's historic, it's big, it's and that's exciting. That's that gets you pumped up. Please tell me if you think Republicans say what you want about them. They're not politically stupid. Neither side are. You don't get where you, you don't get to that level by being politically stupid. So until someone can give me an argument for why Republicans will voluntarily give up that win this late in the game and risk that and risk their own party being very angry at them by going, you're weak, you're ineffective, you're letting them run all over you. I don't give a damn if it's cannabis because cannabis isn't a priority to me. Sure, I don't want to see people locked up. But I don't That's care about it. banking. I don't care about that. Like, you know, and you gave it to them. That's what you'll get from the Republican Party. Why would Republicans voluntarily walk into that? Until I think, that. Yeah, I think I, I, I totally hear everything you're saying. I think the one question I always ask is how big of a win do they think cannabis is? You know, if it's not really a win to them at all or a loss to them at all, then it's kind of honestly in this scenario, it's best case scenario. So <laughs> we'll Wait, see. Who's they? Who's they? Republicans? They, I, yeah, I think Republicans in this particular instance. It's more about it's not a win. So, again, that's why I think they would let safe banking go and like just safe and no problem. But the minute you add expungements in, okay, and that's hope. I don't care what you horse trade it for. They don't, no one's going to, no one's going to care. The cannabis users can have guns. Okay. Um, the minute that you put expungements in, that's social justice, that's criminal justice reform. That looks, that will be spun as looking weak on crime, weak on drugs. The irony being hope was co sponsored by a Republican. It, again, it's it's, yeah. it's state. It's like personal politics versus what is the yeah. party, right? And so the states are going to do what they got to do to keep their to keep their seat, right? But they're always going to be subservient to what the major party, Mitch McConnell, and the and the base wants at large. Yeah. Here is the hoping, Livy. You are wrong, albeit you are putting up a great, great point. Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) been wrong before will happen again. Well, I will say, like everybody should take this into consideration. I was on a a podcast yesterday with Khadijah Tribble. The best thing you can do right now is just be operationally efficient. Just don't spend more than you make. You're exactly right. Don't worry about what they're doing in DC if it happens awesome for the cannabis industry but run a good business first and foremost could not could not agree more that is that's my honestly my message is that if we have if we run good businesses and if we actually grow strong as an industry ourselves then we get to go up to dc not like oliver twist with our hands out asking please sir can we have some more but then you can walk up there like google and that's when you have politicians sitting around and going how do we get in Tell us us what to do. That's how you have leverage because you got to have a meeting of equals. But right now we aren't equal because we don't have our, we don't have it together. We don't have the leverage to go up and make demands. So we got to get together as an industry, run good operations, run good businesses. You'll get strength that way. And then you can have some serious leverage in DC. Amen. Livy, we are at an end here, but what a great, great interview. Really appreciate your insights. Love what you're doing with the platform and cannot wait uh, to see the full version, y'all. But please support my Teppy. Uh, please make sure you're tuning in to all their news. See it at benzinga.com slash cannabis. But Livy, 
Any last thoughts for you uh, before we pop off here? We're all going to make it. It's going to be okay. I know I come with a lot of uncomfortable truths, but I truly say them to try and overcome the challenges, not to beat anyone down. I think that everyone's got a spot here. Everyone's got something to, to bring to the table, whether you're an MSO or a mom and pop. You have it. There is a place for you in this industry, and we can actually work together. And that's that is what I'm so looking forward to doing and trying to help forge, not just by myself, but with the collaboration of like-minded people in the industry to really elevate it, bring it forward, and to have it be a strong, independent industry that stands on its own two feet. That's my dream. Amen. Libby McKay, founder and CEO of MyTepi, thank you so much for being here with us today. We'll do this again soon because honestly, it was a lot of fun. Thank you, Libby. Thank you. That was awesome. That was great. That was a really fun interview. Javi, any thoughts from that, man? A lot, man. (laughs) We're so like way over time, but we'll save them for the next next show. Tune in next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. This Thursday. This Thursday. Yeah, the next Thursday is this coming Thursday. Yeah, but next. like next Thursday is like next week's Thursday. Oh, every Thursday. You can tune in every Tuesday <laughs> and Thursday at 1 p.m. Uh, shout out to good friends in the chat. Me now, uh, Jose Pizarro tuning in from Argentina. He's the co-founder of Future Hemp. Uh, no, yeah, Future Farm Hemp Argentina. They just launched a skincare line called NEM Skincare. Uh, with CBD, with a very, very famous uh, Latin musician called Connie Isla. So if you're down here, go check it out. Uh, BZCannabis.com. Join us in Chicago, September 27 and 28. Libby will be speaking. Don't miss her. Libby will be speaking. Javi will be speaking. I'll probably be speaking to everybody's dismay. Uh, But we will all be there hanging out, sharing our thoughts, networking with you all. So get your tickets. Absolutely. You can use Elliot 10. We got to get a podcast code, but Elliot 10 for a 10% off discount code for tickets, bzcannabis.com. Javi, we got to cut here, man. It's been a lot of fun. Great, great episode. Appreciate everybody every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 Easter time. We'll see you again next time. Peace. This time. (laughs) 